Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. Covering a series on why the priesthood of believers is so powerless. You know, the Bible calls believers the priesthood of all believers. So we are priests and kings, the Bible says, in the order of Melchizedek. You think, what the heck is he talking about? Okay, just stick a pin in there. That's what we're called. That's what the Bible declares us. We're no longer scuffers. We're no longer just ordinary people. We are kings and priests in a particular order. If you were born, you know, uh, under the monarchy of Britain, you'd be in an order. You'd be a Windsor or whatever your name was or, you know, whatever the lineage you came under. But we are born into an order, a lineage. And it comes under the order of Melchizedek. And we ain't going there again because we covered all that series. But it's enough for you to know that this morning you don't just stand as a worshipper this morning. You stand as a king and priest in the presence of God. Amen. And he's made you that. So we are priesthood. And, and he's, you would think with all this resource that heaven has given to the church, power would just be oozing out of all of us. You think nations would be changed. People would be, they wouldn't be sick amongst us. And yet we live like we have no access to anything. Limp. Absolutely. We live, we look lifeless. We look dead. We look, I'm talking about the general body of Christ now. I'm not talking about you because you, you're the most awesome people I've seen this morning. So you're different. But the general church seems to be struggling in terms of true penetration within city social life. It seems to be struggling in terms of keeping one's own life in check. There's so much uh, double standard going on. There's so much mess and the sins, of the, the sins of the world are actually inside the church. So to some people, that's not every church, that's, I'm generally speaking now. Sometimes when you go into a church, you can't tell the difference whether you're in a church or you're just in a good crowd. And there's no hallmark of difference upon the church anymore. And it's because we've learned to act and become like everybody else that we, we want everybody to fit in. We're not meant to fit in, we're meant to stand out. So, you know, it, we... You know, beige is not the color of heaven. Christians are not meant to be beige. Beige is an awful color. Where did it ever come from? But so many Christians want to be beige. You know, I guess if I'm going to be, Phil always calls me Mr. Shiny. I like shine. I like lime green. I like lime green. I think it was my mom's favorite color. So not because of that. So if I had anything lime green, I want to stand out. If someone laughs at me, I don't care as long as I'm standing out. Some people just want to blend in, so they wear the traditional colours. But I want to stand out. I like lime green. But I don't want to wear beige. I'd rather be noticed rather than not be noticed. Yeah? I'm not trying to stand out just so that everyone look at me, me. But if, if I'm using that analogy, I would rather stand out than blend in. And, and Jesus Christ, he didn't, I think he must have had fluorescent tops on because it, wherever he went, everyone noticed him. He certainly didn't wear beige. But the church seems to have this power struggle. And the Bible says that you are the most powerful people on the earth. Christ in you and me makes us the most formidable force on on the planet earth. There is no other force greater than you and I. You know, governments and kingdoms may think they've got power. They've got the power of the button. No, they haven't. We've got the power of God. He's got the power of the button. They won't destroy the earth. God will determine when the earth will come to its end. But until then, we'll just take the earth. Okay? And uh, it's on a lease. It's leased to us. 
But you know, this, this, this old dimension of weak, insipid believers, I believe it offends the heart of God. It offends the heart of God. If I was a wealthy man and I put you in a garden shed and I was living with all the resources in my house, would that be cruel? But so many Christians seem to do that. God has given us an eternal kingdom, an eternal access to all that he's got, and yet we live on such a small portion. Such a small portion. Breaks the heart of God because that's not what he died for. I'm sorry, if you're going to die, make your sacrifice worth it. And he did. So if we look at the the Isaiah 54, last week we started to talk about If I was to get a bowl of water and pour water and keep pouring water into it, the problem is not the, 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 the flow of water. The problem is the capacity of the bowl to, to keep expanding to contain the flow that I've got. Amen? And so much of... This is a perfect analogy of so much of the church. God pours out, but the people on the earth have no capacity in which to carry and contain the move of God. There is no capacity within Christians. Their ability to learn is slow. Their ability to act on what they've learned is even worse. And their ability just to take hold of this word and it becomes a reality is very, very poor on a good day. And what God is trying to do is increase our capacity. There isn't a problem with word flow. There isn't. God is word. There's more word than you can poke a stick at. Yeah? And there is access to worship. There is access to word. There is access to greater levels of prayer. But the trouble is, it's not the access to the problem. It's your and my capacity. To take more of these dimensions. You know, if you come to me with a, bo- a small bowl, but I've got a great big portion, guess what? You're in trouble. You can only have your portion according to the size of vessel that's open. So this morning when God said he's got a portion, no one said how big or how small that portion is. Some people say, I'm not greedy, I just like a lot. So how big is your vessel? That is the issue. Because there is a portion from heaven that is enough for you and for I and for all of us. But the issue is, my friend, is are the vessels, is the capacity in the vessels big enough to contain what God is giving or pouring out from heaven? In Isaiah 54, we we read, enlarge the place. Enlarge the place of your tent. Now, he didn't say what size the tent was. It could be a two-man tent, a four-man tent, six-man tent. It could be one of those massive tents. It could be a marquee. It doesn't matter what, where you start, what you've got. If you're two-man, go to four. If you're four, go to eight. If you're eight, go to a marquee. If you're a marquee, go to one of those big tops. Whatever capacity you have right now, big or small, God is speaking to us to even go beyond what you've got. So the capacity is not the same for everyone. But everyone must have a greater capacity. Because as the word comes to me, the same word that comes to me and comes to you, it may go further in me, not because I'm better, because I have more of a capacity to do something with it. The issue is not the word, my friend. There's no problem with the word. The problem is your capacity. 
If God's got to keep speaking to you time and time and time again, about, <coughs> excuse me, about the same issue, <coughs> then you have no capacity. Someone hears the word, they receive it by faith. Before you know it, they're turning the nations upside down. One word came to them, they acted on it, and they're away. But for you and I, the word has to come time and time and time and time again, which is a testimony of rebellion. Many people give a testimony. Oh, you know, I didn't hear God and God had to speak to me four times. It's not a testimony, my friend. It's a testimony of rebellion. If I had to listen to God five times, six times, which I have at times, and God's had to speak to me in certain areas, then I've been rebellion, rebellious, should say, in that area, and God could not move through me because my capacity was poor. God has spoke to me about going to the city, but my own rebellion... My own rebellion as a pastor has not been good. I testify that to you. It was rebellion. It's not a testament. Oh, now I'm coming into alignment. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. No, no. You were rebellious. Because I was rebellious, I held you back. And I declared at the beginning of the fast, my rebellion is at an end. My rebellion's come to an end. Why? Because I can no longer keep living and containing the, the move of God in me. There's nothing wrong with the move of God. Nothing wrong with his word. My capacity has to change. Your capacity has to change. Because though the prophetic word, listen, though the prophetic word may come to me, its continuance is found in you. Well, only three or four of you got that. Let's say it again. Though the prophetic word may come to me, its continuance is found in you. If it came to me, it came to me for us. For the house. Okay? So if it came to me for us, us are involved. Us have to come to a place of greater capacity. So if I hear the word and obey it, you then have to hear the word and obey it. Because I'll be the only one going to the cross. Yeah? This is a public crucifixion. This isn't a private one. Okay? Public doesn't mean to say you stand and watch me. We're all participants in this, this heavenly crucifixion. I know you don't like that word, but it is. So enlarge the place. What place? The internal dynamics of your heart. The internal dynamics of your heart. In, increase them. It says stretch your tent curtains wide. Why do you need to stretch your tent curtains wide? As soon as you stretch your tent curtains wide, more light can come through. More light of God can come through. The greater light, the greater dimension of God gets revealed. The more you can enter in, the more he can enter into you. As you open up the doorway, it's an entrance point. So Christ can step into you and you can step into Christ. What is the great divine exchange? John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, ask whatever you want. So the divine exchange is at the doorway. Is your life an entrance point? Is your life an entrance point to the move of God? That's where the capacity is revealed. If you're not an entrance point, he goes past you and he goes to someone else. People say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. And they say it really sentimental and sweet. It means you're an entrance point for God to move in and out. It doesn't mean a physical doorway. It means God can move in. Read your Bible. Eli became a, door, he became a closed doorway. So he had to go to Samuel. Samuel became the doorway, the entrance point in the temple of God. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the word of God was rare. Why was it rare? Because of this guy's behavior. 
And here's a young rookie, never had any training, never been to Bible college, and all of a sudden God starts speaking to him. And what does he say? The first thing he says, sort him out. Your spiritual mentor, he's gone. What do you mean he's gone? Him and his family are gone. Why? Because they are no longer the entrance point to a nation. Samuel, you're going to be my entrance point. Why? Because God saw in a young boy the capacity was greater than the old man. And you know what? God is no respecter of age. God is no respecter of age. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching, I think I'm preaching good. All of a sudden, young people will be raised up and God says, you're the next man. Well, what about me? Yeah, what about you? You're gone. Surely God wouldn't do that. Surely God would do that. Why? Because you're more important. Destiny is more important. Oh, people think, oh, God's just all lovey-dovey, sweet and by. Hey, God is our Lord, is our judge, is our lawgiver, is our king. You tell me what king ever became a king by him being soft. You know, the love chamber was saved for him, not for you. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. So all the time he's talking about their capacity. If they can increase their capacity, it will go to the next generation. Legacy will be spawned because of their actions. See, it's not just when God speaks to you, it's what's coming through you. Hello? It's what's coming through you. If you are the doorway, it's what can pass through your doorway. More can pass through. The power of one, if God can get one man, one woman obedient, a whole nation can pass through one man. A whole nation can pass through. A whole city can pass through. God uses the majority of one. He don't look for the crowd. He just looks for a man of obedience. Are you ready to punish every act of disobedience? So when, he, when that act of disobedience in you is brought to the end, God, can, God says that now you're my entrance point. I can't be fighting with mixture. I cannot allow you to pollute my plans. There's more at stake than just you. We can't get the city at the door and then one man go and blow it. We haven't come all this way for one man to blow it. Because if he blows it, if the shepherd is struck, the sheep scatter. We've got no church. All because one man couldn't get his act together. And you're that one man, you're that one woman. Yeah, you don't know how strategic you could be in your street, in your work. If God turns up in your work, the whole factory's gone. Amen? You've got to see yourself just, just, you know, God just, I should say, you don't just want God to keep the roof open for you so you can get a wage. You want to be light that place. You want to be light in that place, you should say. So stretch your curtains wide. See what you can do. Yeah? So when we looked at John chapter 4 last week, we saw the woman at the well. And this woman's, it's a fantastic, fantastic story, this woman. There's so many dynamics. I don't want to go to it this morning, but I want to refer to it. This woman had a natural bucket, but had no capacity of her own. Jesus has no natural bucket, but has got all the capacity in the world. She's got a bucket, but no water. He's got no bucket, but eternal water. He's got more capacity than she can get buckets. Yeah? Every day she has to keep going with her bucket and filling up and filling up and filling up and filling up. Now her, in her physical capacity, she might only be able to carry two buckets. But she might be getting water. Her family might use four buckets a day. But when you're the eternal source, you, the water travels with you. 
You don't need a well. You are the well. Do you understand that? You're the well. You see, when you're in work or wherever you are, you can't turn around when you're talking to someone. I tell you what, excuse me, let me just get the pastor on the phone. He'll talk to you. No, pastor's not coming to the phone. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm engaging myself in another conversation. You're the well. People drink from you. Yeah? You've got to learn to carry more capacity. You're greatly underusing what you've got. You are greatly underusing what you've got. You are greatly underusing who you are. Do you know that? Seriously. Jesus lived by the everlasting, the abundant, eternal supply. Capacity. That's what it was. He had an internal capacity. This is what happened. He had the ability, and you have this ability, to manufacture the flow. Now, this is not Chinese parts. These are not fake parts. This is not fake faith. This is not fake miracles, fake truth. We carry genuine truth. So when I say manufacture, we have the patterns given to us by the Holy Ghost. So we can become, we can become truth to people. We can become the way, the truth, the life of people through the truth we speak. It's genuine. It's authentic. We are licensed by heaven. Amen? So we can manufacture, wherever we are, we can manufacture what we are and what we carry anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter what license agreements are out there, we supersede all license agreements. Why? Because the kingdom of God will not be held back. In fact, the Bible says it suffers violence and violent men lay hold of it. Not physical violent men, spiritual determined men. Why? Because their capacity is greater. They will not take no for an answer. There is no border that they will not cross. Now that border can be your factory. That border can be your shop. That border can be your family. That border can be your neighbor, your friend. There is no border that will not be crossed. Because you have the ability to be authentic. Do you know that? Authentic. And Jesus had the patterns. She says, our forefathers said... Yeah, but your forefathers didn't have the patterns. Ah, I perceive now you're a prophet. Okay, then she perceives something else, and then she perceives something else, and then she perceives something else. Jesus said, let's cut to the chase, darling. You still haven't sussed out. You've got so many husbands. In fact, the one you've got now, he's not your husband. Ah, now all of a sudden he's revealed. Because he's got inside her and dealt with her, she now thinks, this man's no ordinary guy. Now the water's gushing forward to her life. Now she sees the capacity in him is far greater than in herself. Jesus opens up the whole region just because of one woman. Jesus was the gateway. The portal. He was the entrance point. One man opens a whole region. Why? Because this woman was sussed out. Because he was able to speak to the heart of this woman, the whole, she was the doorway and didn't even know it. And, he, and, and that, I would say that's true of many of us. We don't know we're the doorway. And so one day God deals with us, speaks to us in a way that he's never spoke to us before. And then something opens inside us and then all of a sudden traffic can flow through us. Showing us that you and I were the blockage. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, go to 1 John. Sorry, John chapter 1 verse 12. This is, the capacity, this is the capacity that you and I have been given. Are you ready for this? Yet to all who receive him, 
to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's the capacity there. God has given you the capacity to become a child of God. You see it? Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of um, husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So we've got the original authentic parts. We've got the software. It's not corrupt. It's not a Chinese copy. It's the original word perfect. Amen? Not XP. Not Word 2000. It's Word Perfect. Now, I don't know what version of Word you run, but there's only one kind, scripturally, Word Perfect. The Word that comes, the preceding Word that comes from heaven to me every day is Word Perfect. Yes? And he says, And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Amen? We've seen the manufacturer. We've seen the base. We've seen his base of operation. We have his internal dynamics living inside us. Amen? And it's the glory of the one and the only one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You have that capacity. You can be full of grace. You can be full of truth. Or you can be full of something else. You have this capacity to become a child of the living God. Now, now you've got that capacity... Do you all agree with that? Can you see you've got that capacity? That was given to you just by your choice of saying Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. That was given to you. All heaven downloaded into you. Hello? Some of you are not convinced that all that's inside you. Just, you're thinking, well, I don't feel it. Who said it's anything to do with feelings? Well, I don't understand it. Who said it's anything to do with understanding? When you buy a computer, how much capacity has your computer got? Well, depending what size machine it is, it's got far more than you normally use it. True? And when it runs slow, it's because you're using, you're putting stuff on it you shouldn't put on it. Just like Christians. They work slow. They're a bit slow to start up. They're a bit dozy. Power fluctuations. Why? Because the stuff that's on your hard drive isn't the stuff you should have ever been exposed to. Yeah? Yeah? And then you need the, the virus protector, which is the Holy Ghost. It's your inner conscience. And if you, don't have the, if you don't have the inner conscience working inside your life, you'll just keep being contaminated. And you'll get shut down internally, and you'll be rendered, you'll be powerless. Do you know what I mean? And you won't be word perfect anymore, will you? You'll be deed. As they say in Scotland, deed. Yeah? You can use the analogy of a computer. It's so easy. So, so easy. But you see, that's why Philo says to me, if you're a Mac, you never go back. <laughs> if you're Mac, you don't get viruses. You're colourful, you're sexy, you've got everything going if you're Mac. Now, I know you PC lovers there, you dark age theologians out there, Mac is the new thing. Amen? Some of you are going, what's he on about? Mac? Don't worry, Max an old fellow used to be around here. Don't worry. <laughs> two kings. Go to two kings. Here we see a woman who demonstrates so much of the Christian life on planet Earth today. In two kings chapter four, two kings chapter four, verse one, we read the wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elijah. 
your servant, my, serv- my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors is coming to take away my two boys as slaves, as his slaves. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house or your tent? Okay, question, what do you have in your tent? The issue is always, what do you have inside? Hello? What is inside? So it brings her right to the issue. What do you have inside? And then she continues, your servant has nothing there at all. That's not quite true, darling. She said, except. There's always an except. God says, I want you to make an offering this morning. Well, I have no money. Except the money I had, I put aside from the holidays. So there's an except then, isn't there? There is something there. Ah, yeah, but that's from the holidays. In other words, that's not yours. Yeah? So let's work with the except. Let's work with the portion you have. Okay? So there's an except in every one of us. There's something that we don't want to give away. But it's there nevertheless. Hello? It might be your time. It might be your energy. It might be finance. It could be anything. But he comes to this woman and says, what do you have? She says, I've got absolutely nothing. Uh, except. Okay, let's work with the except portion. Because from the except portion, her capacity is going to increase. Okay? So if there's an exact portion inside you, bring it onto the forefront because that's what God's going to work with. Because most people turn around on a Sunday morning, they bring the sorry hide into church and they say, oh, I've had a heck of a week. I've got no faith. I've got nothing. I'm empty, Lord. You've just got to pour into me this morning. You ever heard that? God will say, turn away, scuffer. Why? Listen, that sounds harsh. To the believer, the believer, we are told each one must bring a psalm, a hymn, something to encourage the body. He didn't turn around and say, now an unbeliever, yes. But a believer is supposed to come with something. The accept portion. You may feel low. You may feel flat, you know, like you've had a, a hell of a week. But you've still got a mouth. You can still praise. You've still got an accept portion. I can still raise my holy hands. I don't feel like it. That's not the same. Do you hear me? So there's, a, there's an accept portion in every one of us. So he says to this woman here, your servant has nothing at all. She said, except a little oil. Elijah said, go round and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour the oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. It's all going on inside the house. It's all private. No TV cameras are there. But the Holy Ghost is recording everything for us. Okay? Sky TV's there somewhere. (laughs) They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Okay? The problem was not the supply. The problem was the jars. How many she could find. Okay? When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's none left. They've all gone. Then the oil stopped 
flowing. So the oil now is connected to the capacity. Hello? The oil, if she'd have kept bringing jars one after the other, the oil would never have stopped. The oil was now, the oil was now dependent upon what she could gather. You see this? The oil, it never runs out. <clears throat> when the moves of God stop, it's not because God's run out of oil in heaven. It's because the capacity on the ground is no longer gathering. They're not making room for him anymore. There's no reason why God would leave if everything is okay. God leaves when things have changed. When the dynamics of people's hearts have changed, God moves away. Finds another company he can work with. Hello? Does that mean you don't love them? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means you can't work with them. You need to understand how God works. He's done it all the way through history. Worked with someone, the hearts became closed, he found someone else. Doesn't mean to say you can't go back and work with the people. But very often when a move of God has happened and men have had their fill, very rarely do you see the Holy Spirit go back. Find it in history. Most men have had, when they had their moment, they had their moment. And then it left them. We're not looking for our moment. We're looking for our life. We're looking for a life in Christ. We're not looking for a moment. Amen? Most men are looking for a move that will last a moment. We're looking for a move that will last the continuance of our life. So he replied, there's no jar left and the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and she said, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your son can live on what is left. Now, how many of you would like that kind of man of God to turn up to your house? Of course you would. Pastor, I haven't got enough money at the end of the month. Okay, get your bank and I'll just pour money into your... Oh, go for it, Pastor. Go for it, Pastor. Keep, keep making $50, making £50 notes. Don't do it in coins. Do it, don't do it in £5. Do it in £50 notes. You would, you would say, I've got all the capacity in the world to keep receiving money. Because that's where your greed is attached to. Ah. I says to you, if you could change the world now, what would you do? You'd think money instantly. But if I could do anything, I wouldn't need money. True? But I think money all the time because that's where my heart is attached to. Or my thinking is attached to. But if I could do anything, I don't need money. If I could change poverty, I could change poverty. Why do I need money if I can do anything? Hello? God doesn't need money. God can do anything. You never see God buying his way. God just does it. Amen? So in 2 Kings 4, we see the woman has no capacity to pay her bills. She must live in the Western world. She's been hit by the economic downturn. Her husband's not been a good steward. And now her legacy is being threatened. The creditors coming to take her boys away. Can you imagine the banks calling the money? Can you imagine the banks saying, we're coming to take your kids away? That seems inhumane, doesn't it? Can you imagine your bank saying, okay, I'm calling your mortgage in, right? We can't, we've got no money, we'll be out on the street. I'll tell you what we'll do, we'll take your kids. That's what this guy was doing, taking the family. She's like, whoa, you're taking my legacy here. This is my legacy. So, a husband has not been the best husband. He's left her with debts. Yeah? So, the, quick, the key question is, what capacity did she have? She had a jar. 
She had a jar. And she had obedience. One jar. Obedience. That's all you need. She had her accept. She used her accept portion. And her obedience. She was willing to do whatever the man of God said. True? She was willing to do whatever he said. Notice he didn't ask her, how much money do you have? He knows she don't have money. That's why the creditors are trying to take her family. So he works with capacity. He doesn't work with natural resources. He works with his capacity that he carries as a prophet. And each one of us has a capacity. And until you release it, you'll never know what you carry. Who would have thought only a couple of weeks ago when young Sam stood up, the capacity to prophesy? Many of you have never done it. And his heart is a lot smaller than yours. Look at the size of him. Pint size. Look at the size of you compared to him. But he had the eternal capacity to come to the front and prophesy. Capacity. It wasn't about knowledge. It wasn't education. It wasn't about this or that. He, he, he brought his accept portion. One jar, one vessel came and spoke to us all. And we all fed from his word. True? One except portion. And then, her response was to say, I have a jar of oil, but it's too small. Then this is the size of capacity, then that must be enlarged. Whatever's small in you must be enlarged. Hello? Well, my face only small. Well, then let's enlarge it. Well, my belief, I don't know much about the Bible. Well, let's enlarge it then. If you keep saying that week after week after week after week, then you'll always have a small capacity and a small portion. If you don't do anything about it, then guess what? You can't keep using that excuse. It then becomes ignorance. When I first joined school, I wasn't good at a lot of things. When I left school, I was even worse. The point is this, is when I went to school, the whole point of school is enlarging your capacity to learn. True? You don't know a lot of things until you go to school and then you come out confused about a lot of things. But school is the place where you learn. True? It, it only works with what you will give. It can only work with what you're willing to give back to the teacher or to the system. True? If you go home and do your homework and study and, and show yourself approved, then the chances are your capacity will increase. But if you were like me, homework, eight o'clock in the morning before you're there, half past eight, then you'll never get your rewards. It's only last minute, dot gone. But Elijah says, what can you do with what you've got? Well, you can obey what I'm saying. Yeah? Your, your capacity will increase supernaturally when you do what God's saying. Your capacity will increase supernaturally when you obey and do what God is saying. I have grown to the level I have because I've obeyed what God has said. It's my obedience that has equipped me and has increased my capacity. Knowledge is one thing, but God working on your heart is what changes your capacity. Your brain is only so big. But your heart, hey, that's a different system altogether. When you sow your quantity or your capacity according to what God is speaking, you reap supernaturally. 
You reap supernaturally. God's word comes to me. I accept it. I say, yes, amen. Let it be according to me. Right? The capacity then starts to grow inside me. The seed begins to germinate. And it begins to grow inside me. And my heart, I get a heart enlargement. God begins to do far more because I've got an open heart. That's all God wants from you is an open heart, an obedient, open heart. If you learn anything, just learn when the word comes to you, say yes and amen. Show me how to do it, Lord. I don't understand it. That's okay not to have understanding. But he's looking for your yes and amen. Once you get to yes and amen, he will then begin to work on the inside and he will teach you from the inside. True? He will do it. He looks. God takes the most obscure vessels. He doesn't, set the, he doesn't always use the university graduates. He uses the ordinary. He uses the educated. He uses the ordinary. And God just begins to do something on the inside. God likes to do that. Why? He likes to take the foolish things of this world to confuse the wise. So I must be pretty dumb. <laughs> oh, I must have past tense. When God can pour in... Yeah, when you, God can pour in and you can become dependent on him pouring in, then your capacity is, is, is measureless. It's limitless. I am dependent upon him pouring in. Absolutely dependent upon him. Then in verse four, Elijah says, pour the oil into the jars, but leave them to one side. Pour into the jars and leave them to one side. What does that mean? Pour in, but then leave them to one side. You know, as I look at the body of Christ, I see a lot of vessels who have been poured into, but been left to one side. So many gifted, so many talented, so many even called. But you know, you're full. You come in each week, you listen, you receive, you're full up, but you never use it. And because you never use it, you're put to one side. It's gone very quiet now. Very, very quiet. You've received the word. You do nothing with the word. You've received the word. You do nothing with the word. You've received the word. You do nothing with the word. You listen to what your itching ears want to hear, but you do nothing with it. But then God says, okay, put them on one side. Can't use them. Why? Because they were never meant to be stored. They were meant to be poured. They were meant to be poured. You work from, not from full, you work from overflow. The ability is to manufacture so you work from overflow. Because if you don't work from overflow, you will never use what you've got because you'll always see, well, I'm not full. I need a drink. I need a drink. I need a drink. I need a drink. No, no, rather than I have. Jesus didn't feed bread. Jesus became bread. Hello? Jesus became bread to people. So when people spoke to him, he fed them from his word. He fed them. He became bread. The church wants to have social programs where it keeps feeding bread. I'm not saying all that's wrong. But we must become bread to people rather than just keep feeding bread. We must become water to people rather than just give them water. Water saves them for a day. Bread feeds them for a day. But the bread that we carry and we become We'll feed them for a lifetime. The bread I bring to you, I feed you with. I don't, I don't look at my cupboard and say, I've got nothing in the cupboard. You want to come to my bread cupboard inside, it's full. 
Take me anywhere in the nations. I'll preach all day. I've done it. It takes, it takes preparation. I can preach all week if I have to and not drop the standard. Why? Because I've learned to take in a lot. Years ago, I'd be struggling for a message Sunday morning. I left that day, those days behind long, long, long time ago. Why? Because my capacity had to increase according to my destiny. If I'm going to go to the nations, I've got to have capacity. I've got to have substance. I can't go with a testimony. Testimony is not good enough. When people have walked, left their villages for days and days and days to be where you are, and you say, I've got my best hour in me. They say, we don't want your best hour. We want your best days. I'm here for two or three days. We need feeding. I might, have to, I might not listen to another preacher for six months. You better be bread to the people. But, but Western missionaries, oh, he'll sing a song and she'll tell a testimony and he'll dance and he'll spin on his head. Oh, that's really going to feed the people, that, isn't it? That's really going to change the nations. People need the word. They need it to change them. Their, na- their nature has to change. We've got to move from blessing to building. Blessing lasts for a minute, for an hour, for a day. But when you can change someone's nature and set the, set the things of God in place, you set up for life. Amen? So Elijah, Elijah wants this lady's capacity to go beyond to what, what she's got. What God can pour in, he must pour in. But here, the oil has been poured, but he says, leave it to one side. Why? We can't use that right now. Why? Because we're still in the process of pouring. But you know, there's a time that in this illustration, we understand that she poured, he put one to one side. But in the, in the, in the New Testament 21st century, God is always pouring. There isn't a problem with pouring. There's a problem with the vessels using what he's given. That's why much of the priesthood is powerless because they refuse to, they refuse to do, um, use, sorry, they refuse to use what they receive. If your mother kept serving you food and you didn't eat it, someone's going to go to bed with slap legs. True? Your mother says, I'm working hard here. I'm laboring to give you, put food on the table. Dad's working hard to put, to get out to earn money so mum can cook the food. And then every time you put the food out in front of the table, your kids pick at it. How does it make you feel? It makes you feel heartbroken, doesn't it? And the kids don't want it and they toss it aside. Now, as the kids grow up, the appetite should change. True? But how many Christians' appetite have never changed? They're still picking with the peas. They're still picking with the carrots. Well, I like what he said this morning, but I don't believe any of that. I don't believe half of that. Uh, I believe in my Bible. Hey, I've got a Bible also. You say, I don't believe it. Show me. Well, I, ca- I can't show you right now. No, you can't show me tomorrow neither. All you've got is your opinion and your opinion's higher than the word. So you do nothing with it. And then you sit there arrogant. Well, you know, if, if, surely if you believe that kind of stuff, it's okay. Yeah, I do believe it. And I'm, God's honoring me by what I'm using. You sit there and all highly opinionated and don't do anything. At least I'm working with the little oil I've got. And guess what? God seems to be working with me as well. I may be outlining some areas, but he's still working with me. I am, a work on, I am under construction, you know. I don't mind being under, under construction. I just don't want to be in rebellion. Amen? So, 
Elijah carried enough supply inside him to keep manufacturing. Church, if we are truly going to take city, we are truly going to go to nations, every one of you, your capacity must increase. I will not take you on the mission, on the front line, to sing a testimony. Okay? To spin on your head, to dance for the people. We are not performing seals. That's not our mandate. Others may do that, fine. But that's not us. I want to be able to set you in different nations, different tasks, different mandates, different assignments, so you can minister the word. Amen? So people know, hey, they've been ministered to today. They've not been entertained, they've been ministered to. That takes a different kind of training. Training. If you've got a skill and you can dance on your head, that's your skill. Okay? But guess what? How many of you know the nations are not impressed with someone who can dance on the head? They're changed by what the substance you carry. If you're going to go and talk to professional people, you better have more than a dance. And a leotard. Or a dancing ribbon. Whatever you want to call it. You better have some more than that. Go to 1 John. 1 John 2. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 2, 19. It says, they went out from us, but they didn't belong to us. They didn't really belong to us. Oh, they went out from us. Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah we, we thought they were part of us. We thought they had capacity. We thought we had, they had substance. But when they actually got out there, they didn't really belong to us. Why? We saw what they carried was not what we've been carrying. There was flaws found in what, what they were doing. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. So many go and do their own thing. They get a platform and they've gone. Yeah? But there is, it says, but their going showed that none of them really belonged to us. Yeah? Others went. Some went, others were sent. But you have an anointing. Here we go. Listen to the change now from Elijah to the New Testament. Watch. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. In other words, you have supply. You have capacity. You've been given something from the Holy Spirit that has given you what the Old Testament guys didn't have. You've got something very, very unique. They had to have oil poured over them. You've got oil inside of you. The Holy Spirit has given you his oil. He is the anointed one. He's the one living inside you. So the capacity or the ability to manufacture this everlasting flow has already been given to you. Do you see that? The Old Testament, they didn't have that capacity. In the New Testament, you've got it. And he says you don't need anyone to keep telling you that you need another supply. You've got the supply. It's living inside you. You've got the full rights, because we read before, you've been given the right to become the true children of God. Not of natural descent, but of spiritual descent. So inside you is the God-given DNA. You've got the very latent power. Read the church we see. All it's there. Read, I encourage you to read it before you leave today. That's why we put the church we see. Not I see, we see. All that capacity is in there. That's what's coming out of us. That's our capacity right there. But we're so often, we look at it. You know, I often, when I'm praying in here, I read that. And I can't believe that came out of me. You won't find that on a postcard anywhere in the world. 
Why? That came out of me. Because that's the capacity dimension I carry. No, I've got to try and make that English for you. It's not always easy. Someone say it's too long. So what? It's me. What is? I'm, then I'm too long then. I'd rather be too long than too short. That's Phil and Andy. <laughs> Come on, Holy Ghost. Hey, you've got to be up all night to get that one. Look at the faces. Look at them, look at them, look at them. Look at them. Meanwhile, they have the same stature that I've got. How's that? They have the same one living in them. And the one who's in them is greater than the one who's in the world. So you have equalized it now. They're back on the page. Offending is gone. Offense is gone. Are we in the love chamber again, boys? Okay. Apostolic equalization. There you go. Right there. The power to bring all things equal. How's that? But then it says this. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. All of you know. All of you. Everyone say that with me. All of us know the truth. All of us know the truth. Why? Because the capacity is inside us. The one who's inside us speaks from the inside. You have the same capacity. Now, here's the thing. I'm preaching one day and and I'm moving and I'm laying hands on people and people are getting healed or whatever. David sits there and thinks, you know, I can't do that. Why? Why can't he do it? He has the same access. He has the same... Anointing. All the only difference is I've just got a little bit more capacity. I've worked at some things, but he's got the same access. Why? You see, charismania says, I'm the powerful one. You just watch and touch. But apostolic equalization says, we're all powerful. So my job then is to train and empower and equip you so we can all do the works. So that no one shines or outshines everyone else. Now there are different graces. There are different graces. Let me, let me balance that. But David's got the same access. So have you. Why? Because we've got the same Holy Ghost. We've got the same access to the gifts. We've got the same word. We've got the same truth. God doesn't love me more than he loves David. The only difference is his capacity. How much capacity, how much um, self-indulgence can David live with and can I live with? How much of my flesh is being crucified? How much am I willing to be obedient It's not because I'm smart, not because I'm greater. It's because maybe of other things. All those things are called character. Character. See, at the end of the day, you're supposed to look into the mirror and you're not supposed to see beauty on the other side. That's for your benefit. You're supposed to see image and likeness. Hello? When you look in the mirror, ladies, rather than putting your lipstick on or whatever it is, your eyeshadow, fellas, if you do the same, that's your thing, but... (laughs) When you look in the mirror, don't be looking for beauty, right? Be looking for image and likeness. Whose image do you want to be seen in? I need to, be, I need to reflect his image and his likeness. Not my, you know, oh, I look a bit beautiful. You know, those things are a bit beautiful. You either are or you're not. And you know what beautiful is? It's all about how you see yourself. What does, it, does it, what does it matter if I, if, if I think Veronica's beautiful or not? I'm not married to her. She's not my wife. True. I've only got one wife. I chose. That's it. Stay, stick with your choice. Till death do us part. Of course there's beautiful women in the world. I'm not that blind. But guess what? I've made my choice. 
You know the old phrase, made your bed, now lie in it. I have done for 29 years. It's true, isn't it? You stay with the one you chose. It's no use me looking over my shoulder going, I like that one as well. Yeah, but you can't have it. It's not yours, you can't have it. Carol says, you touch it, you're dead. I'll get to you before the Holy Ghost gets to you. Because you know why? Carol lives inside me as well. So there's two, there's two voices battering for attention here. Yeah? And you know, disobedience to either one of them is going to get you in trouble. Learn that one, Philip. That'll get you. I'll keep you. <coughs> when you maximize your internal capacity, you have to do what needs to be done. You have to do what needs to be done. God gives you capacity to do the things he's asking you to do. He does not waste what he's got. Everything God gives you, gives you is strategic. It's strategic. And if you just go to two kings and we're, we're going to, the wheels are down on the plane now, we're going to land. Two kings chapter four. I like this lady. This lady epitomizes everything. Two Kings chapter four, verse eight. She epitomizes everything, this lady. Is everybody there? Two Kings chapter four, verse eight. It says, one day, Elisha went to Shunem. Just one day. And a well-to-do woman was there. So what kind of woman was it? She was a well-to-do woman. She was a well-to-do woman. What that means, I have no idea. But she's just a well-to-do woman. She must have come from Manchester. Well-to-do woman. <laughs> she who urged him to stay for a meal. Okay? So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. That became his restaurant. She said to her husband, I know this man who often comes our way is a holy man. Yeah? Let's... Make a small room. She used her extra except portion. Okay? On the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. I mean, this is Landlord 101, this, isn't it? A chair, a bed and a lamp. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Notice this woman's mentality. This woman sees him. Something inside her says he's a holy man. Now she may have seen him in action, but something inside her says he's a holy man. He's walking. I need to do whatever I can, whatever's in my capacity to help this man make his ministry easier. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't know the man. She's a well-to-do woman, so she's probably got a few quid. Okay, but she still has a husband. We don't know if the husband was saved or not. Can you imagine in modern day, your wife turns around to an unsaved husband and says, you know, there's a man of God that passes our way. I'm going to make some room from upstairs. Yeah, right. You're in trouble. Ain't no man, God or any man, is going to live living upstairs in my attic. Why? Because there would be suspicion. And quite naturally understandable. Yeah. But God must have done something in this man's heart as well. As much as he did it in her heart. See, the, the woman's always quick to move on compassion. You know, the bloke says, well, what, what if? Starts going through all the regulations. 
The woman just sees the need and wants to meet the need. The man would have, it'd be iron, well, you know, if you're going to be a landlord, you've got to have section five of paragraph four. You want to make sure the roof's reinforced. He would have come up with all the logistics as to why we can't make room for this bloke. True? But a woman says we can do it. Why? Because capacity starts here. Whatever the problem is, we'll make room. True? And there's two types of thinkers. There are those who, who pull out the, you know, the mandate going back to 1864 or the Magna Carta. What John said about this and blah, 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 blah. Why we can't do it. Another said we can do it. We'll just make, we'll, we'll find a way. We still have to obey regulations, but we'll find a way. One uses regulations why it can't happen. One uses regulations to make it happen. And here she says, we can, we can do it. We can, we can make, we can use the house. We can use the room. We can create upstairs. And we can create a room for him. We put a bed. We can go to Ikea. We can get a bed. We can get a lamp. And we can make room for this man. Because this man's mission and destiny is far greater than I ever realized. But I want to play a part in his life. I want to sow into his life. I want to make an attachment into his life. Somehow. And it wasn't because she, was, she had an agenda. She generally wanted to make room for this man. So that he could find... Um, a place we could rest. My friend, God is moving. God is moving in our city. God is moving across the nations. And all he's looking for is room. He's looking for room. Now, that can be physical. You can, some of you have got beautiful houses. Beautiful houses. But you know, no one ever comes in. You bought a dining room table for no one, for a meal you never cook. True? No one ever goes there. When I was a kid, we used to have what we called the parlor. Everyone remember the parlor? The parlor. And it was the first room as you walked through the door. It was the best room, the best furniture. Nobody ever went in there. Nobody was ever allowed in there. But mum thought one day all these people are going to turn up. Mum, have you ever invited one? anyone? No, 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 no. Well, one day they going to turn up then. And you could never sit in this room. So it was a room. So we lived in one room. True? We lived in one room and the table there and the chair and the carpet was there. So it just became a room we passed through. You couldn't touch it. You couldn't look at it. Don't you sit in the parlour. Get your dirty backside off those chairs, Artone. That's all I've heard my mother say. And it was a room we could never go in. <laughs> See? So we lived in a one up. I should say one down, two up in our house. So what was the point? What was the logic in that? Now we look back and laugh, but you got scolded for going in that room. I got grounded and sent to bed early. True. All because of that. Now we look back and we say, Mom, you were crazy to even think like that. But that was the code of the day. But even in the church today, that capacity is still there. There are things I can't use. One day, you just might, that rainy day, well, I pray for a monsoon. Yeah? If you expect a rainy day, one will come. And it won't come the way you like it. And here's this woman. She makes room in her heart for this. And then he says to her, one day when the Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there in her house. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shumanite. So he called her. And he said, and she stood before him. Elijah said to her, tell me what you want. You've gone to all this trouble for us. See, there's two of them. The deal was for one. Now there's two in there. Think about it. Now there's two. Now we've gone. So it's like we made room for one. Now he's got his aid as well. 
probably he's sleeping on the floor. Tell her, you have gone to all the trouble for us. Now, what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander or the army? She replied, I have, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elijah asked Gehazi. So Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Okay, so the husband's old. So, no capacity. No seed. No capacity. Okay, fellas, sort yourselves out. About this time, next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. So he looks at the woman. He looks at the man. He looks at the man and thinks, not on your best day. He looks at the woman and he says, you've got no son. You've got no legacy. You've got no heir. You've got no continuance. Right? So he looks at them both and just speaks the word. Your capacity is going to change from this day on. Your capacity will change. Why? Within you, I'm going to change your DNA. So the ability to produce is now going to be given to you. All because she made room. Now, if you go on the story, she says, oh, don't get me hopes up and all that kind of thing. And the story continues. But the point is, she did not do that thinking that he would give her a child. That was not her agenda. Her agenda was, see, most Christians think if they do something with God, they've got to have something back. And they call it faith. No, no. Do something, leave it with God. Okay? She does what she feels is right in her heart to do. She does it. End of. The next time he comes and says, what can we do for her? He's the one who wants to pay her back. Listen, if you get the kindness of God upon your life, you better have the capacity and the desire for God to turn things around. This lady made room. Are there, are there any ladies or men in this room who can make room? Some of you are thinking about that. Some of you don't want to make room. And the move of God can never move past your house. Can never move. I would love the move of God to be in my house. Because I know whatever the move of God is, I'm safe. Whatever the move of God is, I'm safe. Some of you need to maybe open up your heart and let God use you in significant ways. Maybe your house. Maybe something different. God will pour if you increase the capacity. I kid you not. I kid you not. God will do that. How many of you believe that? She was enlarged. She got a child. She got a child. She got more than a child. She got legacy. She got legacy. The man was astounded. Think, wow, I'm going to produce a child. I'm old. But the ability to produce is every man's right to produce. Women, your, your ability, your capacity is to carry. God has given a man the ability to produce seed. He's given the woman the ability to fertilize and carry and bring to birth. That's our lot. We got the easy part. Sorry, girls. Just the way it is. But together... They create. They need each other. One is not more important than the other. True? In the church, we all need each other. 
need from the, from the biblical point of view, not from the, the you know, a codependent point of view. We need each other, that's why we're a body. You can't produce, I can't produce if David doesn't synergize with me. I can't produce in him, he can't produce in me, we can't produce together if there is this no, if there's no interconnection. There needs to be internal dynamics going on. Capacities must increase. Must increase. Because now is the critical time for us as a house. Because I see so many vessels being filled. Now it's time to turn and go out. Out. Now to pour out from overflow. So let's stand to our feet, if you will, please. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.